Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners podcast, episode number 36. We're going to mix things up a little bit. So before we introduce this week's amazing guest, we got to take care of some business. That's right. It's business time. We want to encourage everybody to head on over to trailmanners.com and take a look at our gear. We got some killer shirts, some rocking hats. We got some Boko gear visors. We have stickers. Don't be afraid. Place an order. Buy something from your for your friends even. We also encourage you to head on over to our Facebook page. Like us. Head on over to Twitter. Follow us. Head on over to Instagram. Follow us there. we got all kinds of stuff we're going to be launching in the next few weeks. So we want to make sure we spread the word and get the love out. So encourage your friends to follow us. Come on, people. You need to share. Don't be selfish. Share us with everybody, right? Okay. Let's introduce, now the business time's over, let's introduce our guest this week. Um, we are very happy to bring to you the Bighorn 100 winner on the female side and course record holder, Ashley Nordell from Sisters, Oregon, uh, via Google Hangouts. And remember, the Trail Manners podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome to the Trail Manners podcast. We are back via Google Hangouts, and we have an awesome guest today. Um, we have none other than Ashley Nordell from up in Sisters, Oregon. Ashley, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. So we want to start because you're kind of, to me, you're kind of like the quiet in the background. You know, all these other people get a lot of hub and publicity and, and media attention, but you just quietly work behind the scenes and continue to kick butt. So why don't you <laughs> give us a little background um, about yourself and, you know, we'll just kind of take it from there. Um, sure. Yeah, I've, I guess I've been doing ultras about 13 years now, which feels kind of crazy. Um, I started right out of college. Um, both my parents actually do ultras. My, um, my dad was actually at Bighorn. He did the 50K there. And um, I actually hated to run in high school. So it's, <laughs> my high school coach found me on Facebook, and I think he finds it pretty ironic. Same with my college coach, actually. I used to complain about um, how far, you know, 3,000 meters was to run on the track. So they kind of make fun of me a little bit now. But, uh, yeah, I live in Sisters, which is a little town outside Bend, and teach preschool. And my husband's a um, special ed teacher at the high school, and we have two little girls. So it's kind of a little bit of a juggling act for us, but that's kind of a, that's the way it works, I think. <laughs> so where did you go to college then and run? Um, I went for, to University of Redlands, and I actually didn't go there to run specifically. I just... Um, I actually was thinking of playing soccer and kind of wimped out over the summer and wasn't doing anything. And 
just got bored. And one day I was out running and the coach there saw me and he's like, kind of, well, you're running here. You might as well run for us. And um, so I decided to, and actually that's when I first started loving running, maybe um, just a change of scenery. And um, so I did track. And then um, after that, I decided I liked it. So I tried cross country. I had never done cross country in high school because it was always during soccer seasons. So um, running it used to be a method of just staying fit for other sports. And then it's kind of evolved into something that I actually do by choice now. <laughs> A big choice. So how did you get into the ultra scene? Because that is quite a, a jump from where you were and, and into the ultra scene. How did you get into that? Yeah, well, so after college, um, I went back to Corvallis, um, Oregon for a year, which is where I mostly grew up. And they have the McDonald Forest 50K there. And both both my parents had run it. My dad was running it that year. And I just decided that would be something kind of fun to train for. And I jumped in probably too fast. I kind of went from 50K to 100 within that first year and had lots of injuries. And um, my first 50K, my dad passed me to the, near the end and beat me by a minute. He outkicked me. <laughs> he still talks about that one. That's kind of his favorite race, I think, to discuss. But uh, yeah, you know, you you kind of swear you'll never do them again. And then you, you sign up for the next one. And it's sort of how it goes with hundreds these days. <laughs> So, and then we, you know, when we met, you, you and I met, um, I don't know, say quite a few years ago, but it seems like it might be already yeah. back with the Perlazumi yeah, yeah. ultra running team. Uh, right. That was a lot of fun. That's when we first met. And I remember when you came out, we, we kind of flew in the first time we officially met. You uh -huh. were super quiet. And <laughs> I can tell, and from history, that you're kind of a quiet person, right? I am. You know what? There was a, uh, in college, I got nicknamed the mouse, which I'm kind of embarrassed that I'm saying that, but, um, yeah, you know, I kind of, um, I'm not real big on social media and just kind of, um, yeah, I would say I'm on the quieter side. I don't know. My family might disagree, but mostly I am. <laughs> Josh might tell you something differently. He might say I need to be quieter. <laughs> oh, I don't know, because I know he posted something on Facebook um, about Bighorn, which we'll jump into, and he was sure that you were going to take it down because it kind of gave you a little bit of, uh, what's the word, recognition, I guess. Right. <laughs> which you're a huge fan of, I'm sure. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, before I even had a chance to see it, it seemed like uh, it already got enough views that there was kind of no point in pulling that one off his page. <laughs> so, so let's get into Bighorn. You've run the race a few times, mm -hmm. and this year, I don't know. Did everything go right? Because you you took first place, female, which ended yeah. up being what fifth overall. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Time was twenty one hours thirty eight minutes. So break it down did everything just go smooth according to plan did there was there some thoughts oh, or how did that work this year you know what it's funny because maybe on paper it looks it looks like it did but um the first oh gosh the first 37 miles i was absolutely miserable um i i don't know what was wrong i started out and by mile four i felt terrible um you know you i don't know if you've ever been out to bighorn but you climb pretty steeply pretty quickly and elevation and heat and so I don't know if it was kind of that combo um, but it was so rough feeling that I started to kind of panic because you think gosh if it feels this bad at mile four what's it going to feel like you know 96 miles later um, and so I just kind of kept hoping it would turn around and it took longer than I hoped it just 
you know, even the downhills, my legs felt shaky and I felt kind of dizzy. And um, luckily, there's really not a lot of places to to see crew. And so really, there's no one to whine to. <laughs> so you kind of just keep going out there. And um, I kind of learned, I made some mistakes a few years ago that I used to kind of try to push to what I thought the pace I should be running in, even if I didn't feel it. And I've kind of learned that doesn't work. And so I just kind of kept a slower pace than maybe what I would have maybe felt like I should be doing at that point. And um, you hit footbridge at mile 30 and you start climbing. And right after the aid station, I'd eaten and I thought I was going to be sick. I felt so bad. But my legs started to feel better. And um, so just a little bit at a time, I think the, the temperatures as they cooled off, that helped a bit. And then I was um, popping Rolaids like candy and I was starting to wonder if you can OD on those things <laughs> but it seemed, to, it seemed to help my stomach and uh, I had been alone all day and I caught up with uh, Nick Patitella, um, which we kind of know through Pearl and it, you know there's something about just having company of someone else and I caught up with another guy John from Colorado and so the three of us were just kind of there together for a bit and that seemed to kind of turn it around just having someone else to chat with and you know, kind of that misery loves company a little bit, kind of, you know, and Nick had mentioned he wasn't feeling great. And so it's like, well, maybe everyone's feeling kind of rough right now. And, um, and then, yeah. And then just the farther up I went and the colder it got, it, it just seemed to feel better, which, I mean, I've suffered through Bighorn. I've spent 50 miles of it throwing up and I just had in my head, I did not want it to go like that. And, um, so my, my mind frame had actually gone from not having a time goal anymore to just finishing and surviving. And so, it wasn't until close to the end that I actually switched out of that mindset and thought, well, maybe I can salvage this race a little bit. And so it was a shocking to me that it went as well as it did based on how bad the first third of it felt, which I guess in a hundred miles, anything can kind of happen, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you mentioned, you mentioned it, you say on paper, it looked probably looks better because yeah, on paper, you're like an hour, uh, maybe an hour and a few minutes behind the overall winner of the race. Um, so yeah. It, to say for the first third or, or whatever you felt horrible, um, you must have, you know, the last 60 miles or whatever it is, you must have just really found a nice groove um, and, and yeah. either picked it up or, I mean, how did that, how did that transpire to get so quick? Well, you know, I think um, the past two times I'd run Bighorn, once I hit the turnaround and hit that downhill, my stomach had just has fallen apart. And so I've never been able to really run that downhill and, this year, maybe because the first part was so rough, maybe my, I don't know, my stomach actually, I've never had where it goes from feeling bad and improves. And in this race, it actually improved. And um, I ran that whole 17, 18 mile downhill kind of back and forth with Nikki, which was fabulous. I mean, I don't, I think back to when I first started ultras and she's kind of that, you know, it was the era of Nikki and Chrissy and Scott Jurek and so I've known of her for years and I've never officially met her and never had the opportunity to run with her. So, I mean, that was probably the highlight of my whole race. And um, I picked up a pacer at the turnaround and just having company for a little bit just um, seemed to turn things around. And so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a different experience to be running that downhill where I'm so used to kind of stumbling along. And Josh has always paced me in the past, so he can probably vouch for how painful it normally is going down that hill. Cause, I can still visualize him just like, get up off the trail, get up. <laughs> now, did, did Josh face you this year? No, um, he couldn't come out. Our school year um, goes later. So a buddy of mine from Montana came out and he paced me all the way down to Footbridge and he was going to pace me to the finish. And then 
leaving Footbridge, you climb pretty steep for a few miles, and he started to actually not feel very good. I, I think it's hard as a pacer, like you travel the whole day out there to the day before, and you spend your whole day waiting on your runner, and you, you think about your runner, and you don't always probably take care of yourself as much. And so actually, he turned around and went back to Footbridge, and I finished it solo, um, which was a whole different experience, but um, it, it ended up being totally fine. And um, I, I, I kind of turned my mind where I start worrying about him and I felt bad that he had come all the way out and he wasn't feeling good. But um, it was a great experience having him going down from Footbridge. And um, I ended up kind of meeting up with a, another guy out there who had a pacer and we were kind of back and forth for a little bit. And so that kind of passed the time and some of those night hours, because as you know, Bighorn's kind of remote and known for some animals. So as soon as my pacer was gone, I started kind of looking around for the eyes in the dark a bit. So at what point in this race did you realize kind of where you were at? Because I mean, you, you PR'd this by a couple hours yourself on your own time. Maybe, and yeah. I'm not saying you but maybe in the back of your mind, you knew what the course record was. You probably knew because of the course, you were kind of the first female. At what point did you realize, holy cow, this, I got a chance for this? Um, not until literally like the very end. Um, you know, your mind's tired and you try doing math in your head. And my goal um, going into it, I thought if everything went fabulous, maybe I could run under 23 hours like I'm picturing 22, 59, 59 kind of. And I, I almost felt embarrassed telling anyone that because I thought that maybe was too far of a reach. Um, I mean, Darcy, I think, is the only one who'd ever gone under 23 hours. And so I just, I was kind of embarrassed to say I wanted to even do that. But um, so I, I know when I hit dry fork at the end, which is about 17 or 18 to the end, you know, I started calculating. I still just had that 23 in my mind. Um, and like I said before that, for a while, it had really just been, let's finish this and not fall apart. Um, and so then I start kind of calculating, but it really was not until I hit kind of that gravel road at the end with five to go that it's like, oh, wow, you know, and maybe unless I'm walking it in, I can do better than I was, was picturing. And, um, you know, I kind of got my stomach finally gave in about mile 85. And so I did panic for a minute that it was all going to fall apart. But I've kind of, I've always had stomach issues and I can, I, I didn't really, I ended up not eating anything that last 18 just because I couldn't, but um, luckily it, it hung on there and um, I, I made it before totally busting. <laughs> so is there anything like through this race? I mean, again, your time was incredible. You've done it in the past. Is there, everybody looks back on a race and says, oh, I could have done this or I could, was there any part of that race where you think to yourself, I, that wasn't a good section. I could have changed this or changed that or ran here, or is it just kind of, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, maybe if that first beginning would have felt better, but maybe it was sort of a blessing that I didn't feel great because I ended up probably running a little bit more cautiously. Um, but I, I think once, once things started to turn around with my stomach, um, I think it, it went way better than, than I was even hoping for. Um, I have a whole new appreciation for hundreds and keeping your stomach together because like I said, that's kind of my um, my big downfall. And you can enjoy the race a lot more when you're able to kind of eat a little bit and um, not just feeling sick for 50 some miles. And so, yeah, I, I feel like um, I, if anything, I would have liked the beginning to feel better just so I could have enjoyed it more because um, it's it's kind of hard to enjoy it when that early on you're not feeling great because you're just kind of panicking about what the day is going to bring. And, um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to finish it no matter what because I, 
like I said, I had a pacer that drove all the way out there. And um, this is the first year I've actually ever used a coach. I'm using Ty Draney this year. I know you know Ty. Um, uh, and dog so since, took since, the next um, segment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, since since January, he's been working with me. And so I don't want to – this was sort of our race we were working for, and I would have – you know, I wanted to make sure at least I finished it since he put some time into helping me get, you know, to that point and stuff. So all those things kind of, you know, force you to just keep working on getting yourself together. And like I said, luckily, finally, it turned around for me. So I think you just did a nice segue for what our next <laughs> questions were going to be. <laughs> have you had a coach? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I have never had a coach before this. So all those other years, um, I didn't. And just this year, I kind of thought um, it's, I've been doing it for so long and, you know, I feel like I've kind of just reached maybe a plateau a little bit and I, you know, and I, I approached him and I wasn't, I still wasn't sure I wanted to do a coach, but um, part of why I, I chose Ty on top of just, I, I knew him a little bit and I just think he's an awesome person and I, I know that I could work with someone like him, but also he is, you know, he teaches and he has kids and he, I feel like he would understand that balance that I need to have um, and that it would be important to him as much as it is to me. And so part of why I reached out is just the fact that I know that he balances things and has to figure it out and that he would kind of help me work with that. Because um, I was kind of worried I would get a schedule and then things just come up, you know, with life and then I wouldn't be able to keep it up. And um, he made for me something that his schedule wasn't all that different than what I already do, but it was you know, I put some more quality stuff in and um, in a way he kept me from doing too much, which is um, great because, you know, sometimes you have time and you feel like you've got to use that time because you actually have it. Whereas I now I had a schedule and I, for the most part, listened to what he said and, and really like really, really appreciate everything that he helped me do this year. Well, she answered all of our questions. Yeah, we had. So, so what was what was the big <laughs> What was the biggest difference, though, with, with being coached by Ty and the way you've done things the, the past 12, 13 years? What was kind of the biggest difference in the, the challenges and the adjustments you had to make? Um, you know, I think the biggest difference is that he had me doing like a quality, one or two quality workouts every um, week. And, you know, in the past, I maybe would try to throw in some speed and kind of unless someone's telling me to do it, that's the first thing to go because uh, – I, I think why I like hundreds is you can go slower and be out longer. Um, but he, so he would have me doing, you know, one or two quality workouts, whether it's not always on the track, but even on the trails or on the roads. And um, especially in January and February, our roads were icy here. The weather wasn't great. And there would be times where I wouldn't get out to run until after dark and it's slippery. And I, I would kind of want to just not do it. But then I'm like, well, Ty's going to check. And so I should, I should do it because, you know, I, he said to do it. And so that would help me on those um, days where you just don't feel it or, you know, he might have me doing a second run and I just ate burritos for dinner. And in my mind, that sounds terrible, but I know he's going to look it up. So I'm going to do it. So um, it got me out the door on days that maybe I, I wouldn't. Um, and I wouldn't say I necessarily needed extra incentive to run because sometimes my run during the day is kind of my only um, maybe kid-free hour or so. And it's it's kind of my nice escape. So I love getting out of the house and doing it. But he definitely, having his schedule made me do more things of quality than maybe I would have done in the past. 
Yeah, because Ty, I mean, we've had he's we've he's been on the show a couple times, and we've had people on the show that have been coached by Ty. So Ty, it's interesting you bring him up because he's actually I think the show's number one fan. Um, I know he's got some ideas of a possible tattoo for himself with our logo. He's just, there you uh, go. <laughs> we'll see. I'm giving him some shout outs then here. Yeah, so it'll be nice for Ty to have his, his name brought up again. So, um, and you bring up an interesting point because we do talk to a lot of people and, you know, ultra running's growing, trail running's going, growing, people are getting into it. So what being a mom, you know, I mean, you're married with some kids kind of, how do you balance that? You know, cause that is tough. I mean, Joel and I have children, um, you know, how do you balance that where you're at with Josh working and, you know, so he can get his time in what he does. Right. Right. That's a, I mean, it's a fabulous question. And, um, some days we, we do better job than when others with it. Um, one thing, I mean, you asked about with Ty too, one thing that was nice is he would give me, um, a month at a time. And so if I knew that I had kind of a bigger week, it gave me a chance to kind of chat with Josh ahead of time and, um, and just, say, these are things I need to get in this week. What days do you think we can do it? Because one thing that was nice about his schedule is he would give me what to do each day, but there I could kind of flip things around. And so if he had me doing something on Tuesday, but Josh had a meeting or I had to do some extra work, then I could kind of move it around. And um, so, I mean, I would say communication is really important. It's not that we always do a good job with it. I think Josh would agree with me. Sometimes we totally flounder it, but um I, he, he works out in the morning before going to work. And so he always gets that one in. Um, and then I usually do when he gets home, um, during things like cross country season, he also coaches. And so that ends up being more my, my off season or downtime because he doesn't get home till maybe five thirty or six. And if I just bust out the house thing, then it's like, there's no family time at all. And so we just, it's sort of a juggling act. Um, luckily I'm, I'm only working part-time, so I'm at home with the girls and, um, I teach preschool and actually my older daughter's in my class. So I really see her like all day long. Sometimes <laughs> we're probably both ready for me to get out of the house. Um, and so I, I'm home from work between 1230 and one. And last year, um, I would actually do a lot of my weekday runs, pushing both girls in the stroller, um, which was great because it kind of, it, it gave me some of those runs and this year they're heavier and my younger one half the time screams in the stroller. And so it's not really relaxing or much of a, <laughs> of a run. I end up kind of slinking home and hoping no neighbors here and think I'm torturing her out there. Um, so yeah, you know, we, my, um, one thing is my parents live about two and a half hours away and my dad has come over a lot this year to help with just childcare during the week when I'm working and stuff. And so having the help of my parents and Josh's family, even though they're in Minnesota, his mom um, came over this like a few times, like when I had to travel for a race. And so we had a lot of help from family, which otherwise, I mean, I really wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have that family help. Speaking of family help, I think someone's scooting around in the background there. Is that your, is that your mom? <laughs> My mom, yeah. So oh. she's watching. Uh, she's watching the girls right now, so that they don't um, come up here. But yeah, my um, my well, my dad was. Uh, he was with me at, at Bighorn, and then he and his buddy were kind of traveling and running. And then my mom um, came over for a few days. Um, Josh is coaching a cross country camp all week, and so. She wanted to, um, she came and helped for a few days and, um, yeah, so I, I'm really, really lucky in that I have a lot of people who are jumping in and I, I think it's, it's kind of nice both ways because, um, you know, 
my parents and Josh's parents, they get to spend time with the kids and then the kids are spending time with people who I want them to be spending time with too. And so it takes a little of the guilt factor away because I know they're getting quality time with grandparents and grandparents get quality time with the kids. And um, so we're fortunate to make, be able to make that work for sure. Now, is, is your dad there right now? He's not. He drove home. Um, they had two cars up because my dad just um, he just came back from Colorado. He actually maybe I saw he did the um, he did Bighorn 50K and then he did the San Juan Solstice the next weekend. Um, oh my so he's my we dad's kind of um, wild. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to hear the story from your dad about how he outkicked you. So we need to maybe oh get him in afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear his well, version. You know, I have to tell you a story about my dad. So he, you know, he did the big horn, he did the 50 K and it starts up the next day at dry fork. Um, and it starts at 8 AM. So I'd already been through, I think I came through dry fork around 5 AM. So he gets to the start of his race and he asks them how I'm doing and miscommunication. I, I don't know. They, um, I, whatever, whoever he asked, um, looked me up in the computer and it, it mistakenly showed me still 20 miles back. So my dad thinks that I'm, you know, throwing up at an aid station because he knows how this goes sometimes and um, and just that I've dropped or that I'm miserable. And so his whole 50K out there, he's just thinking that I'm out there, you know, still out there. And I, he can't really enjoy it because he feels so worried. And he comes, you know, he comes into the finish finally and I run up and um, asked him how it was. And he's like, oh, my day was pretty miserable like yours was too, huh? <laughs> I was like, well, it wasn't that bad, Dad. It kind of ruined his race a little bit, I think. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. That's a, yeah. that's a whole team effort, though, you've got going on with Josh and, and yeah. grandparents and, and kids and everything else. That's great to hear. For sure, it is. It's a, like I say, it takes a whole village. And um, yeah, and, and when, um, when I went to Arkansas back in March, Josh's mom came out and visited for a few days and she helped with the kids. And, and so it makes it easier leaving knowing that, you know, they're in good hands and that I should just relax. <laughs> Since you brought it up, I want to ask you, so where you went to Arkansas, you've gone back for this event how many times now? goodness um i think this was year seven i would have to um do some counting um yeah i've actually gone back to this race more than any other race which is is funny because it's the farthest away I've, I've traveled for a race but uh it's it has a special i don't um just the people there back in i think it was maybe 2007 i kind of went on a whim um I was running for Montreal that year and, and Steve, the race director was too. And he gave out some free Montreal, I think entries. And I, I didn't have kids. I, it was like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll go to Arkansas and see a new place and do a race and um, went out there and loved it. And I've gone back. Both girls have actually been there. Um, it's, it's sort of the, the same people come year after year and it's, it's awesome. It's a, it's a great race. It's, it's called three days of Silamo. It's a three day stage race up in the Ozarks. <laughs> so, and you've won that race quite a few times as well, right? Um, I, yeah, all of them actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean so, to brag. I'm sure it's, I, I should probably just stop now and keep a, you know, a good record, but. Uh. <laughs> so, so you mentioned, I mean, that keeps you going back to that race. Cause that's a little bit different than say even Bighorn or, you know, a Western or, you know, Angeles Crest or any of those. I mean, that's far away. It's a little bit off the radar and it's not a big race that people have heard of. So 
Yeah, it's, it's more than a race. I, I don't really think a lot of people go out with the mindset to race it. Um, and then I kind of don't, it's more, for me, it kind of kicks off the season, but it's more about just the event than it being an actual race. I mean, it, I mean, it's a, a race, but you know what I mean? It's people are there to hang out and, and run all the trails and um, hang out afterward. And I mean, Steve doesn't market super well. We all get lost and that's just part of it. And it's, uh, it's like, a, yeah, it's more of like a big um, reunion of all these fun people who live in Arkansas and surrounding areas and stuff. So it seems like it's like an older, like an old school, ultra kind of uh, local fun race, like a Elva Carroll or something like that. Yes. Yeah. And you get, you get a, um, some hilarious, fabulous people out there and, yeah, it is. It's totally old school. And, it, you know, the, the ultras have, have changed a lot, and they're a lot bigger now and stuff. And this one's grown, but the the dynamic of the race hasn't grown. It's it's still kind of back to its roots that it's been since the very beginning. And I like that about it. I kind of think I I, I don't do a ton of the, um, the big scale races. I, I think I kind of like the old school events a little bit more. So explain it. So it's a three-day race. So explain day one, day two, day three, mileage-wise, so people have an idea um, of that. Yeah. So day one is a 50K. Um, day two is a 50-miler. And day three, I think he says it's a 20K. It's usually about 14. Um, but he changes the courses every year. And so it's never the same. Um, you might – I mean, you run a lot of the same trails, but um, there's – there's never been where all three days are the exact same days. And so it's kind of nice. You don't know if you're getting faster or slower. And so if your time's slower, you can just tell yourself the course was harder that year or something. And um, yeah. And that um, you always think that last day people will just be hobbling and all of a sudden everyone has like this new wave of energy. And the last day feels like it goes out on the sprint and um, it's, it's really pretty. It's up in these Ozarks, um, kind of near Mountain View, Arkansas. And it's all, I mean, it's all single track trail and, um, you're not repeating each day very much unless it's just to get out to certain trails. They have endless trails out there. It's, it's a great, um, area to go and, and see and to run on for sure. So comparable wise on the difficulty of the courses are like elevation change. Is it more flat? Is it runnable trails? I mean, what's the course itself like? Mm -hmm. It, it's pretty rocky, although I'm saying that being a Pacific Northwesterner, people from, you know, maybe the East Coast would laugh when I say it's rocky, but um, it's it gains a lot, but it doesn't gain a lot at once. It's not like out here where we have just these long climbs. It's kind of all rolling up and down the whole time. So they have, I think they call them hollows, and, um, you know, they kind of, you run into these hollows and then you run back up, and um, so there's their mountains aren't tall, but they're, I guess I would say hilly. Um, and the, and like I said, the footing, you know, some of their trails are really well maintained. And then, you know, this year we went on the Ozark Highland trail a bit, and I guess that's maintained in certain areas where there's lots of, um, foot traffic. And then there's some places where it's not maintained at all. And you're just, you know, you're kind of looking for ribbons and following ribbons versus an actual trail. And you're, you know, going through brambles, like it, there was parts of it that make me feel like, a tiny piece of what some of the Barkley would be like. And I mean, tiny, like I'm not comparing it to Barkley, but there was one place he sent us down that was maybe a trail like 20 years ago. And now it's like a deer path that we were running on. <laughs> so every once in a while, you're just, you're kind of bushwhacking and just looking for those ribbons and stuff too. 
So what, uh, what kind of event size wise is this? I mean, is it something you have to run all three days? Can you show up and just run like the 50 K? Yeah, you can just do, um, you can just do one of the days, two of the days. It's, uh, it's any of it. Um, my dad actually came out and did it this year and he did all three days, but one year he came and he just did one of the days. Um, Josh has come out before and done all days. He's done just some of them too. So yeah, I, I think they have a kind of a core group that always does all three days. And then I think people who are local and can get over for maybe just one day do that. Or there's a whole bunch of people who come from surrounding states that travel as a group. So maybe if someone's not ready for all three days, they might jump in and do a lot of people do the first and last day and skip the 50 miler day sometimes too. It's a good idea. It sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that sometimes too on the start of the second day, <laughs> be a spectator. So got, that day. Yeah, you've had a pretty good year um, this year with obviously with some of the, th is there anything else you have coming up this year that you're, you're racing or running or adventures or what do you have going the rest of the year? Well, it's funny you should ask because um, I'm, I'm debating. I, I, uh, I've kind of planned on doing the, the I am tough hundred in Idaho. Like it's been on my radar and um, one of my best friends, uh, Darla Askew, she lives in Bend. I'm actually going to go pace her at hard rock in um, a couple of weeks, but she and I kind of talked about it and she bit the bullet one day and signed up and I keep waiting. And during Bighorn, I swore up and down that I am not doing this hundred. Like I'm done with hundreds for the year and uh, I'm just, done and you know even after the race and i told josh he's like no you'll change your mind i'm like no i am seriously i'm not doing it i've done mountain race i'm done for the year and now we'll see now i'm starting to reconsider it a little bit and um you know how that goes you give yourself a week or two and then i watched western and get all inspired and now i'm thinking i might go for it again <laughs> so. especially, when you, especially when you head over to hard rock and get a taste of you know just being back into that scene a little bit i right. think and, and joel here yeah, Joel's. Uh, that's his race for the year. The I'm tough. Yeah, so I'll be there. Oh, oh you're gonna do that one? Awesome. Yeah, I, I've been you looking up that, some pictures, and it looks beautiful. It does. You know that course record over there is a little bit soft for the female, so I think you can go over there and definitely snatch that. Oh, we'll see. Just the thought of uh, running again that far in the mountain <laughs> sounds still a little brutal, but like I said, it's been a, a little bit of enough time that I can start thinking about it without swearing up and down. I'm done for the year. <laughs> I, I went out a couple of years ago and paced that and crewed that uh, course for a friend of mine. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. That, well, you guys uh, are going to sell me on it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to miss it. It's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. The pictures are, are spectacular. And yeah, you know, I kind of, I don't race a ton during the year. Um, and so I, I kind of like to pick one main one and I made it big horn and then I kind of designate the other races is just training for that. And then once that's over, I can kind of look at maybe one more. And so, yeah, if I do that one, that'll probably be the, the last one of the year. Or, you know, I might, if I do something kind of local or a 50 K or something, but um, it's too, I, I made the mistake a few years ago of trying to do too much in one year and, and I kind of paid for it kind of the next year. So I'm, I'm hopefully I'm getting smarter or at least uh, hoping to. <laughs> Sounds like what, what about uh, your bucket list? You say you're not maybe a big fan of the big races, maybe stuff. What's your, I don't know, bucket list race or adventure runs that you would still like to do before you decide not to do this stuff anymore? Oh goodness. Um, you know, I, I kind of like to pick races that are really scenic. So things that where I'm captivated by the, the scenery and 
um, you know, I have the Superior 100 is on my, my bucket list. Just um, I'd love to see that area. Um, Cascade Crest and the Bear. Hard Rock, I, I have yet to even make the wait list, but I'll keep trying on that one. Um, I, I have actually, Arkansas Traveler is on my one day list, which it was probably the exact opposite of like the kind of hundred that I feel like would be my strength. Um, but just because a lot of the same people come from three days and do that one. And it's one of the classics that I'd like to just go out and try it one year. And, um, so yeah, there's a, there's plenty on my list of what I'd like to see. I, I haven't ever raced East coast. And so that would be fun to try something over there sometime. I've, Mass and Nutton's always been on my mind, um, but the timing, May is hard. It's hard for me to be ready by 100 in May with just the school year and stuff, so um, we'll see. But one day I'd like to experience that one too. And um, I love, you know, the adventure runs for me I love, like, um, you know, like the Wonderland Trail. We have a lot of trails around here where you can go around mountains. You can run around the Three Sisters. You can run around Mount Hood. And um, there's lots with just where you can go single track all the way around these mountains. And so I love doing that in the summertime too. So I'm sure I'll knock some of those off this summer as well. So have you, and you've done uh, Angeles Crest a hundred a few times as well, right? Yeah. yeah. And you, so have you, and you've won that one. How many times? Two, three, a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so I um, think last year was my, I think my fourth finish there. Um, so I think I, I think I won it twice, um, two of those times. We used to live in Mount Baldy, and so the AC course was kind of our backyard. So it kind of holds a special spot just because of, you know, the location and the, the trails and everything there. So when I lived down there, I used to do that one um, just because it was literally right there for us. Now, what have you seen or what do you think about how they're having to change that course now? Have you seen that? Have you seen the info I there? have. Yeah. Well, you know, knowing the course and picturing what they would have to do would definitely be, um, it would be sad for that course because it's, um, that's all PCT trail right there. Or a lot of it is on the PCT and it sounds like the reroute would have to go to highway two, which, um, they already have problems with that, the traffic on that highway. And I, I don't know how that would go having runners on it. It's a, it's a pretty windy, narrow highway. Um, so yeah, I, hopefully they can, um, figure something out for that because, um, it would definitely be sad to see that race. It's just another one of those that's been around for so long and, um, you know, has those traditions that, um, hopefully they can resolve it and figure out a way to be able to get back on the, the trail there because that would it would definitely change the dynamic of the race and you would lose a lot of that that um both the scenery and if you take cooper canyon out of ac you're kind of taking one of the major um challenges out because everyone dies in cooper canyon and so it would change the dynamic right there too <laughs> it's one of the, it's probably one of those things in a race where you kind of like oh man that's a tough section i don't mind but then you kind of lose a little bit too thinking oh but that's what makes that course the course Exactly. It wouldn't be AC without Cooper Canyon. I mean, you want to you want to be at that cloudburst aid station and watch people coming out of Cooper Canyon and uh, just for entertainment right there. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it would be unfortunate if they if they had to switch to those roads. I mean, anytime you take you lose single track to pavement, you're obviously losing some of the scenery and, and kind of value of that course a little bit. I know they did similar, not the same idea, but at, at the Wasatch 100, they had Herb's Torture Chamber, the Plunge and Dive, just some very iconic section, you know, the last, 
you know, 20 miles, there's, there's pieces of that, that people dreaded. It was just brutal on you that late. <laughs> um, they ended up taking it out for, for trail oh. purposes. And there were people like, Oh man, that's good. But then you think about it and you miss it. And I ran it right. that, and I ran it without that. And I'm like, oh, you know, as hard as that was, it was still part of what made Wasatch Wasatch. Right now. Did they put that back in now? Is that the part they re yeah. put at the end? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, so they did, but I just know that it kind of took away from the luster a little bit, even though it wasn't as hard for sure, but it was Right, just right. Yeah, I've never done Wasatch, but it's on my bucket list as well. <laughs> okay, well, you need to come out because you said the bear, you said Wasatch. That's right here in our backyard, and neither one of those you'd be disappointed by. I know, yeah. So I'd actually, I kind of considered Wasatch um, this year, thinking, you know, Bighorn and Wasatch, and um I think it's, I think it was some timing a little bit, uh, first day of kindergarten and Wasatch this year, we're kind of same week or something, but, um, maybe, maybe next year I can go on that bucket list. <laughs> so do you have anything lined up for next year already? Like things that you just are going to, Hey, I'm doing this race. Um, nothing. No, you know, I, I'm kind of get through this year and, um, and then, like I said, I like to kind of pick one that really um, sparks my interest and motivates me. And, and then I kind of base the other races a little bit around it. And, um, you know, that 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 Georgia death race kind of appeals to me a little bit. Um, but uh, it's it's in that it's right around three days of Silamo. So I'd have to kind of pick and choose. But, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, if it's if it's scenic, if it's scenic and um, and some, something like that, that kind of gets me going for it a little bit. Gotcha. Well, Hey, Ash, I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to, to talk with us today. Um, it's, it's a pleasure. It's great to catch up again. It's been a long time. Um, yeah. but in the shadows, I've been, you know, been keeping an eye on you, you know, seeing how <laughs> well you're doing. Cause you and Josh are just such a, you know, such great people I had a pleasure to meet years ago. So thank you I so much. I miss, not, I miss not getting to see you each year out in uh, Boulder anymore. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we, yeah. had a good, we had a good group of people. That was a lot of fun. We did for sure. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yeah, well, tell Josh thanks. Tell uh, both sets of grandparents thank you. I owe them a lot. I owe them a lot for sure. <laughs> right. Well, thanks again. Uh, we hope to catch up to you later and, and good luck and hope to uh, Joel see it on Tough this year maybe. Yeah, you guys are, you've got it more in my mind. So uh, I'll probably be blaming you out there at mile 50 or so. If, uh... <laughs> Don't be surprised to get a text or an email nudging you just a little bit between now and then. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, thank you, Ashley. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Ashley Nordell for taking the time to join us today via Google Hangouts. And we would also love to congratulate her on her win at the Bighorn 100 and new course record. As we mentioned earlier, we sure would like to encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners. Or go ahead and swing by the website at trailmanners.com and support us with some cool gear there. You can also hit us over on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or even if you would like to be on our show. So until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.